Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk. Thank you for joining us for this half hour. Now, let's talk. And good morning and welcome to it. Tracy Morgan, of course, in with you with Let's Talk. Our half an hour that we bring in fantastic professionals to talk about issues that are important to you and also about their businesses as well. Today, actually, we are going to be touching on a tough subject, and this is going to be on the subject of suicide. So I just want to give you that fair warning because if this is something that's difficult for you to hear or to listen to, oh, it's not on suicide. Oh, give me this. Oh, my gosh. Okay, give me this here, Brian. Brian's in front of me. Brian's with uh, Family Pathways. And I, I downloaded your email here, right here, Brian. And so for some reason, this is the one. Okay, you're on the air with me now. So Brian's here. He's helping me correct everything. So Brian, Brian Dick from Family Pathways, welcome. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for correcting me. Well, I mean, I could, <laughs> that I almost could, went down the wrong road, right? I could road, talk right? about uh, that topic, but I think that's a topic I, I talked last about year. last fall. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, certainly it is a very important, pertinent topic as well. Because we wanted to talk about mental health. Right. We were going to talk about resiliency and how people can actually navigate difficult circumstances. And so we're going to do that. <laughs> Like, which, how do which, we switch it, this topic? Which is, is kind it, of a yeah, close right? cousin to some of the other uh, topics related to self-harm and yeah, yeah. those things. I mean, the, the goal with resiliency is to build up the reserves so you don't reach a point to where you're going to harm yourself. Can I ask you one question, though, about suicide? And then, of course, we'll lead into this. Only because uh, recently we heard about um, the Judds, the mother of that family, country superstars, and um, the, the daughters had said they lost her to mental health reasons. And so we'll just leave it at that because that's what they announced. Um, and I think it's hard for some people to understand how stars and people that they hold up on this pedestal have mental health struggles and challenges. And, and how do you, what could you say to somebody who just doesn't understand that? They, they can't wrap their brain around how somebody that they envision to be in a certain light, have mental health struggles? Well, I'm certainly not an expert on Hollywood for any stretch of the imagination, but I think that people are people. It doesn't matter really who you are, how much money you have, how much uh, prestige or even um, notoriety such as the Judds would have. Um, they still have normal or typical human being issues and that's what we're really talking about here is that everybody everybody has adversity in their lives and whether it manifests into depression or anxiety or at the very worst suicidal thinking or behaviors it doesn't matter how much money you have or what you've done in your life uh, everybody has adversity and that's really what we're talking about today is how to navigate through adversity given just the general climate of the world and uh, what we're coming out of now mm -hmm. and how we're moving forward and get, attempting to get back to some sense of normalcy at this point which I think largely is happening. Well and even though it may largely be happening do you find that people haven't um, adjusted or understand the emotions that we all went through because I, I at, at one point over the past couple of years I think I just um, I don't want to say calm down but there was a lot of stress you know that stress just lowers I don't know if there's a numbing point I don't know if there's a point where people just don't feel because they're not getting angry anymore 
you know, like what's that cycle with people? Well, you know, and I don't really want to speak a whole lot about COVID. I, I think that we're moving through that to some degree, or at least learning to live with it at this point and getting back to normal uh, types of, or typical types of uh, lifestyles and so forth. However, you have to remember, and one of the things I put on your, your sheet there is that um, isolation, social isolation, and not having the connections or the perceived supports. You think about what we've been through the last two and a half years, and it is essentially you can't be around people. You have to uh, stay in, a, in your home. You can't have people over for holidays. You can't do this. You can't do that because there's a risk. That tends to create a buildup in people, and I would actually say that it has created a lot of internalized anger in people that they, A, don't really acknowledge or realize, or B, can even put into words. And it comes out in other ways where uh, they're frustrated at the wrong things or the wrong people, or it's like yesterday, I just had a person who was dodging me in traffic and I was in the right lane, but that person was not. And they were being hostile, you know, coming up behind me and so forth, it's like last night. And um, I'm trying to understand what's driving that. People have a very short fuse at this point. They have an immediate need for some sense of um, urgency on everything. There's no patience. There's very little tolerance. Uh, what I see in the world today in general now is a lot of excessive types of behavior. You're either like super complacent and, and removed or disconnected, or you're on the other hand, extremely over the top, angry, uh, Are you controlling? demanding, controlling, whatever it is. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of the anxiety or a lot of the depression uh, or a little bit of both, but uh, a lot of people are not. And the other thing I think I see too is that there's a numbness or a, not a recognition of a res how you should respond in certain situations anymore. People just don't have the patience for it at this point. Now certainly don't take this conversation saying, oh, everybody out there is like this. No, there's a lot of resilient people it's just those people aren't making the noise. They're the people who are functioning and doing the things that they need to do every day, who are very happy, who are very connected. Uh, there was like several things that I list later on in the material there where if you do them, this is what really resilient people do. So how do you exist if you are at peace, if you're connected, if you are trying to process everything going around you in a little different way than those who are acting emotional. Because I agree with you, the, I don't wanna say quieter people are the ones that are healthy. I don't, want, don't necessarily wanna associate that, but if, if you are connected, if you are at peace with things, you aren't necessarily the one that's making the noise. Well, if you're at peace, you're not, you're, you're, you are, if you're at peace, then that means you're doing more than just existing. Existing and being at peace are two different things. Okay. The, the, the folks who are not navigating adversity or problems or stressors are just existing. They're not very happy, they're not at peace, they're not satisfied. You know, being resilient means that you're flexible, that you're bendable, that you're able to kind of go with 
the flow on certain things, but yet you're very assertive. You know what you want. You have purpose. Uh, there's meaning that you make out of things, either socially or personally. You, you have intentional behavior, meaning that you're able to intend to move forward with something you have but yet if you encounter a setback it doesn't like ruin everything for you whereas people who are existing they're on a teetering edge of that excessive edge that i'm talking about either being extremely removed depressed or they're extremely anxious and i'm about ready to blow up here uh, they don't have any tolerance there's no middle ground for them, and I think that's what I see in society these days: is that there's a uh, there's not that pattern of, you know, this is what it is. We're just going to move on and 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 try something else and continue to be proactive. Instead, it's my way or the highway, or I don't I didn't get what I wanted, so I'm going to, you know, be very angry or whatever. However, that manifests. There's no middle ground, and the patience and tolerance levels of people means that they can't take a whole lot more before something else breaks down and you can kind of look at it as like a machine if you keep you know pushing the machine to the point where it never really gets any rest or never shuts off or there's no way of maintaining it in a productive way it's going to break down well we're no different that that's human beings that's who we are being resilient is about navigating those pitfalls and using other environmental, social, and personal supports in order to support your mental health. It doesn't mean that somebody who's de depressed isn't resilient. They may be depressed, but they're battling hard to develop resilience because of their actions and behaviors. When you talk about all these different emotions and you talk about resilience, I often think of the grieving process and I think I've talked to you about this before, how much could what we're going through now with emotions be about a grieving process that we didn't go through? And that could mean two years ago, that could mean 10 years ago, that could mean it goes all the way back to when we were kids, you know, and we're just getting triggered now by certain events. How much does that fold into what you're talking about today? I think people are starting to realize that they were highly vulnerable. <clears throat> and what I mean by that is, they are doing what you're saying. They are starting to wake up to what did I just go through here? What has happened? And how does that relate to what I'm seeing on the news right now? How does that relate to how I see? It just looks like there's a lot of powerlessness. We can't change things to make things better for people. Or they just seem to be getting worse. The gas is like almost $5. They just seem out of control. So there is a uh, tendency to um, take that anger out some way or develop frustrations. I do think it's a grieving process to some degree, I guess, loosely speaking. I just think it's a, a, a general coping problem is more what I see because resiliency is really about coping. It doesn't mean everything, you know, if you're resilient, doesn't mean that everything's been great in your life or that you haven't went through grief or depression or anxiety or uh, lost a job or had financial problems or whatever it is or had a major problem within your family. It just means that you're moving through it in a way that's productive and you know who you are, you're comfortable, you don't feel as vulnerable about things. Doesn't mean you're not sad. That's a, that's a misconception here. I don't want people to think that, okay, I'm either resilient and great, 
you can still be resilient and still be grieving. Grieving is not necessarily an unhealthy process. Grieving is a, a natural negative, but can be very healthy, can be very negative and unhealthy too. Depends on what people are doing with it. So can you talk about that a little bit more about the definition, if you will, of sadness? Because when you're talking about all of these emotions, um, depression being one of those, I think people correlate being depressed and being sad or being sad and being depressed as the same thing. They're not. They're not. Depression Depression is a set of symptoms. It's not just whether you feel sad. Um, sadness actually, uh, and I would make the argument, is a healthy negative feeling. I'll repeat that. Okay. Sadness okay. is a healthy negative feeling. It's not a positive feeling. We, no one likes to feel sad. Uh, however, it, it is, it, it's a healthy one. Being depressed is like uh, two or three notches below sadness. Depression is meaning that your functioning is starting to falter in some way. You're not engaging the world. You're isolating. You're withdrawing. You uh, may not be eating. You may not be sleeping. You may not. Uh, you may be extremely angry all the time at people or internalizing a lot of anger um, and not dealing with that effectively. You may not be taking care of your body. There's other, you know, mm-hmm, exercising, mm-hmm. whatever. That's that's really and depressions are such a wide topic, but generally that's what that is. Sadness is where I feel bad about something, and I really wish that it didn't happen or that I hadn't. You know, I really feel sad that the last two and a half years we've been running around like this and going through such struggles. However, tomorrow is a new day, and I'm going to figure out how to make the day better. Sadness is a motivator to making things better if people use it that way. Brian, uh, I wish you were beside me every single day. <laughs> Can we have you in our back pocket? I think I've told you that before. Brian Dick, of course, is with Family Pathways, and he's the program manager with Family Pathways, um, and, and you are making sure that we pay attention to Mental Health Awareness Month. I mean, this is the month that people really focus in on it, but really mental health seems to be something that we're talking more and more about, which I applaud I'm glad that we're talking more and more about it. Uh, do you find that there are more and more people seeking help? It's been that way for probably the, this is year two, 2021. There was a humongous, if that's a word, spike in uh, requests for services. And we're seeing that trend again. And actually I'm seeing the trend even, you would think like after Christmas or holidays, you'd see the spike. Yeah, we saw increases. I see it in the summertime. Oh, do you? Um, and we tend to see it more and more in the summertime, uh, interestingly. But I do think that with all of the events that have happened, um, there is more of a um, awareness of those factors. I also think some of the things we've just talked about, the breakdowns are starting to, uh, or fragmentation of certain elements of the family or losses and changes and, uh, you know, how people have been coping with things is starting to come to, we're, we're seeing somewhat like you said, a delayed uh, reaction. A delayed healing Because process. really the first year of the whole thing, yeah. the pandemic, and I, I told myself I wasn't gonna talk about COVID today, but the first year of the pandemic, people were just didn't really know what was happening. They were just kind of going along. So you weren't really seeing the 
impact of that until really into last year and now you're really starting to see more of the impact now resiliency is about learning to navigate those things and to be learned to be flexible it doesn't mean that you are not sad it doesn't mean that you're not going to be grieving it doesn't mean that you are a person who's free of problems mm -hmm. it just means that you're learning to cope and utilize the resources that you have around you to um, survive and move forward in a productive way that starts to provide you satisfaction. Again, when you talk, I just keep hearing this grieving process, you know, that shock, that, that wonderment, that anger, that frustration, the emotions. But when you get to the point of healing, how do we, how can I equate that process in grieving a loved one to where we are now? Like, how do you build personal resilience? Well, it's all about taking stock in, first of all, you have to make a decision. Do I want to be better? Do I want to get better? I think there's a personal uh, decision, even if it doesn't feel right at the time, you're saying, I am going to get better here in some fashion or form. I'm going to learn how to start working through problems. And you're really using um, a lot of resources around you. Um, you know, people have peer groups. You know, the, the, for example, the young people, the kids that don't have solid supports, those are the ones that we're most concerned about regarding suicidal behavior, for example. I know you mentioned that at the beginning of the show, but people that are resilient are problem solvers, they're assertive, they're, they make up their minds, I'm going to use the strengths that I have as a person, no matter who I am or where, what my background is, and I'm going to use those in a positive way. People that have an intentional structure about their lives. Yeah, all of us have to go to work, but I'll tell you what, going to work for me was a really helpful thing over the last two and a half years because it gave me an intentional purpose. Did I feel great all the time about everything I was dealing with? No, but in hindsight, I look at that and that routine is very important. Uh, people that have meaningful family relationships, people that they trust, they can count on, um, I think with uh, people that are going through hard times, if they just have an accepting peer group, whether that's teens or, you know, the right kind of peer group or for adults, adults need peer groups, older people need peer groups. If they have people who say, yeah, I know you're not really doing great, but hey, we're still here for you and we're going to be behind you, uh, whichever step you need to take, I'll continue to support you. That, that kind of acceptance takes away the um, self-doubt and the embarrassment and shame that goes along with not feeling okay. Um, I think also helpful resources in the community, people utilizing the counseling supports, utilizing organizational supports. That's the thing we have to get back to to become a more resilient world is to really learn how to work together and utilize each other's supports and say, you know what, we're all kind of in the middle of this. That may be kind of a pipe dream, but I think generally that's what we need to do. Whereas we were isolated, we have to start using uh, more social supports. I think the other thing that has to happen is a sense of safety and security. People that don't feel safe in their environments, uh, then it's gonna be harder for them to even try to be resilient. How do you get to the point of feeling safe and secure in an environment where you don't picture that right now? I mean, maybe you are in a safe environment, but maybe you are glued into 
what is going on on social media or what is what you're what you're feeding yourself if you well, will because you're you're connecting with those outlets that's the first part is you you have to look at your vulnerabilities and the things that trigger you not to feel safe and that's the areas that um, you start working on sometimes people have to remove certain unsafe things from their lives they need to stop watching the news I do pretty much I don't watch it much anymore I couldn't even answer some of your questions about the Judds because mm -hmm. I really don't follow I know what happened but I don't really follow those stories much because a lot of the stuff just you absorb it after a while and it doesn't really provide anything good um, so really you have to kind of look at what are those things that create the vulnerabilities in my life some of them may be very much self-imposed some of them may, more, may be more complicated and I might need to make some more drastic life changes. Are you finding that more and more people are taking personal responsibility and accountability when they're talking to a professional, whether they do it out in society or not? I, I, that's not necessarily the point of my question, but when they're at least with a professional that they're saying, that, that they're talking about their vulnerabilities, they're looking inward and saying, this is where I, I fall short. If you can get people to that point, I think that's a process. Some people come to seek therapeutic help and they think that because i'm going to sit in front of a therapist something's going to change within me and i'm not sure what that is but it's going to change within me going to a therapist is only 50 percent of the battle the uh, client or the person receiving the service needs to be able to take something from that and apply that into their lives that's called the transfer skill part they also there has to be a good trust there if they don't feel safe and secure with a therapist because of past experiences, that road's going to be a lot longer to get there. Yeah, yeah. So what advice do you have for people if they're feeling poor right now, if they want to get in touch? There are plenty of people who haven't made that walk across the parking lot, as we say in self-help circles, you know, to get into that door to that first appointment. What do you say to those people listening? Well, I don't really, you know, therapy may not be for everybody and coming to a facility like ours may not be really what they want. I would say start with your, your environment, start taking an inventory of who your support people are, start reaching out more, start getting back involved with some of the organizations and activities that brought you a sense of satisfaction and enjoyment. Start with those personal things first. Um, you know, sometimes just intentionally being more proactive, being a better son, daughter, father, whatever, whatever roles you're in, start being more proactive in your life. Instead of waiting for things to just happen to you or hope that things are going to change or that somehow uh, I'll feel better tomorrow. Well, that's true. The sun will rise tomorrow, but that doesn't mean you're going to feel any better that's one of the mistakes that people make about therapy is they feel by going to therapy everything's going to change they have to do something with the information and sometimes it's just that intentional forward-looking approach and start looking at what made me feel better in the past and what do i need to do to start navigating some of the stress so how do we get in contact with you what is well, the best way if we would like to set you're up located on 100 brew avenue it's a, a big building as you're instead of you just turn left if you're going across the bridge turn left at the light get on old pittsburgh road which is going towards town that's what they call it 
and uh, that's where we're located, 724-284-9440. Do you think the first step in this is admitting? It always seems like that is the, the first step that's talked about in self-help circles is just admitting whatever it would be. But is it okay just to admit that you need help, just to start there? Yeah, I think admitting to yourself that something's got to change and you want to be better and you're, you just tell yourself, I'm going to do whatever I need to to feel better. Um, if you continue the same path, you're going to keep probably experiencing the dissatisfaction you have in your life. And keeping in mind that there's no perfection here. You're, you could still feel not so good on some days, but still be building resiliency at the same time just by the actions that you're taking that are productive and providing you a sense of strength and support. And, and I know I could ask you about triggers, and I know we're running out of time, so I know this can't really be a long conversation when I talk about triggers, but um, is it also resiliency learning, in other words, how to handle the triggers that come up that have affected us throughout our lives? Well, and it may not even be something all of their lives. It could be just something more immediate. You know, how did I get to this point here in the last year or so? Mm. And it may not just necessarily be looking at triggers. It may be looking more inwardly and to say, what has changed in my life or how am I responding to things? Do some pattern recognition to see if there's some patterns. Sometimes just a simple pattern recognition can be a good starting point to say, oh yeah, I stopped going to these organizational meetings I stopped doing this hobby. I stopped doing this. Why did I stop doing it? Oh, that's right. I'm watching the news every night and I get, and I'm on my phone all the time. Sometimes it's a matter of le- looking at the barriers that are causing some of these things. It may not just be the environmental changes. It could just be the self-imposed changes in behavior. Maybe I go and walk around the community instead of sitting on the couch at this time. It's inter- interesting on how difficult it can be for some people to get back into a routine or create a new routine sure i think you always start back if you had some healthy patterns in the past then Mm -hmm. you start back and you reinvent yourself with those patterns and you start looking at what worked for you what brings you a sense of peace as you said or solace uh, or satisfaction and you keep doing that yeah Brian Dick with Family Pathways. It is Mental Health Awareness Month. I do appreciate you coming in and uh, good conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tracy. And folks, again, if you want to look up Family Pathways, please do. If you want to make an appointment, please do. If you would like to listen to this program again in its entirety, please do. You can do that on our website at wisr680.com. Just pick programs and drop that down to Let's Talk. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Tracy Morgan with Let's Talk. The information and opinions shared on this program are solely those of our guests and do not necessarily represent those of WISR, the Butler County Radio Network, or its staff and employees.